unless we really see and consider what Jesus has done for us in cleansing us of our sins, we will live our life today functionally trying to earn God's favor versus seeing that we already have God's favor in Christ by seeing and remembering what he has done for us. Welcome back to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor and I'm here with my brother and co-pastor Daniel Ventura. We're back again to consider the scripture that we looked at this past Sunday. And so, brother, what passage of the Bible are we meditating on this week? And what was the big takeaway for us? Yeah, so this week um, we actually took a break from our Summer in the Psalms series and considered John 13, 1 through 17 in light of our deacon installation this past Sunday, which was also a really joyful opportunity to see three men a step forward to be deacons, servants of the Lord in his church. And so in light of that occasion, we wanted to consider a text that highlighted this topic of service. And so John 13, 1 through 17 was our text. And this is a scripture that talks about Jesus laying aside his garments, taking on the form of a servant to wash the feet of his disciples. And in light of that, he calls his disciples to serve one another, to wash one another's feet. So we could summarize the big takeaway in this way. If Jesus used his power to serve his disciples, we are called to do the same. But we must first be served by Christ so that we can serve others from God's favor and not for God's favor. Mm, that's so good. Now, that distinction you made in that last sentence there, Pastor Daniel, serving others from God's favor and not for God's favor. Can you explain that a little bit more for us? That's a great question. I think that when it comes to religions in general, the main way that we think about kind of being right with God is by doing certain things that make us right with God or that secure God's favor in some way. And so Christianity is truly unique in that in in Christ, we meet God who stoops down to us, who doesn't need anything from us. He's a God who is all-sufficient, all-wise, all-powerful. He has all that he needs in himself. He's forever blessed as the triune God. And so as Christians, we have to first be served by this gracious and awesome God before we try to serve him or other people because God doesn't need our service. Uh, Our neighbor does. And we can do that from the right heart when we first rest in Christ, rest in God's love and favor in Christ so that we're not trying to you know, do things in the church or in the community, securing God's favor in our minds, but living from that. Mm. That's the heart of the gospel. And that mm. is, that's life changing when, when it really sinks in and we begin to live uh, in accordance with that, living from the favor that we've already re- yeah. received from God by faith in Christ instead of for it. What a joy. Now, what vivid imagery do we find in this text that helps us get the big idea to help us see what God is telling us here? It's a great question. In the, in the Gospels, Jesus often uh, tells what we call parables, which are, you know, many stories that have these, you know, big points in them that, that teach us something about God's kingdom or the love and grace of God. But here in John 13, one commentator called it a visual parable where Jesus himself is, is doing something that has a really big teaching point. And so we see Jesus throughout this text showing us the love and care of God and how he stoops down so low to serve his disciples. The imagery and the details are are very clear throughout the text about Jesus, you know, laying aside his outer garments, you know, taking a towel, tying it around his waist, pouring water into a basin, 
in washing the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This whole account is a very vivid and detailed and quite long portion of Scripture that shows us how low God was willing to stoop in Christ to wash us and ultimately to wash us of our sins. I remember in this in your sermon when you were explaining how the text describes Jesus recognizing the hour of his suffering was upon him, the hour of his glory, mm-hmm. and how he had all authority and power. It says as well that Judas Iscariot was there and that Satan had already influenced his thinking to betray Jesus. What was it that you said that we expect him, you know, what we might expect him to do with his power and authority at this moment? That's right. Yeah, Jesus, it says in verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God. And then after that verse, we, we might expect Jesus to use his power to take out Judas Iscariot, right? To take out this threat to, to Christ. But instead, we see him actually get on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples, which included his enemy, Judas Iscariot. Mm. It's incredible, um, the humility and love of Christ displayed in that passage. I remember as well in the sermon when you were talking about Christ uh, stooping down so low as a servant to wash his disciples' feet, it felt as if Jesus was before me, uh, getting down to wash my feet. Um, And it struck me with the humility of God and Christ in that. Like sometimes in our Reformed churches, um, the service on Sunday is sometimes called the divine service because we believe that on the Lord's Day in, in the worship service, God is stooping down to serve his people, right? He, he is glorified in our praise and our prayers as we bring all of our petitions and, and supplications through Christ. But we come primarily as recipients in many ways of those who, who need the washing and cleansing of Christ, those who need to be reformed and reshaped in our minds and in our hearts. So you're saying that when we come to worship on Sunday, that God is coming to meet us, to serve us? That's right. Wow, that's awesome. That's a good reminder. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. So how is God's truth as presented by this text renewing and reshaping your heart? And in what ways does it correct you? That's great. The The first one about how it corrects me, as I think this text especially redefines in my own heart what leadership and even authority in various spheres of life, what that actually looks like. You know, as a pastor and as a husband, it's easy to think of leadership just like the world does, where you build a platform where you're at the center, you know, everyone else affirms you, serves you, and you're in charge. Um, As human beings, I think we all struggle with that pride in our hearts. We want recognition. We want people to recognize the position that we're in or to affirm the things that we're doing. But the roles of leadership that God gives to his church, and even might think of you know, the roles of civil government or whatever it might be where there's leadership involved ordained by God, uh, Jesus teaches us to think of those roles in terms of service. Now, Pastor Daniel, is there a, another scripture passage that helps us see what Jesus is showing us here? I think Mark chapter 10 is a wonderful passage that shows us how God uh, defines leadership. In that passage in Mark 10, um, two disciples named James and John asked to sit at Jesus's left and right hand in glory. And they express uh, in many ways how we often think of leadership or what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We want glory, we want status, we want recognition, we want influence. But Jesus corrects their thinking and he, he says to them these words in Mark 10, 42 through 45. 
Uh, Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And this is a convicting text in how Jesus redefines leadership for us and shows by his own example uh, what it means to serve as a leader. That's great, Pastor Daniel, and reminds me of how Jesus defines uh, greatness in a way that's completely different from the way of the world. The greatest among you, Jesus said, shall be your servant. And so I don't have to be great in the eyes of the world. Uh, what the world thinks of me, my status, my influence, and my achievements is not ultimately what matters or determines my value. In this text, we see that Jesus has valued us by serving us, by loving us, by redeeming us with his precious blood. And then he tells us that the greatest in the kingdom of God is not determined by how much money you make or how much schooling you have or how many followers you have on social media, but rather he wants us to aspire to a greatness that imitates him, following Jesus in his humble heart as a servant, uh, striving for what matters to God, not the world, striving to be servants like Christ. And so that is a challenge, but it's also a beautiful privilege too, to be able to serve others as Jesus has served us. Now, in what ways does this passage also comfort you? Well, as you just mentioned, just to piggyback on what you were saying, um, that's a good word, Pastor Taylor, in regards to um, serving God and pursuing greatness in the ways that he defines it's comforting, especially if you're a listener and you're you're going to an ordinary job, or maybe you're listening to this in the home and you're caring for small children, or maybe you're just in a season of life where you don't feel like you're, you're doing anything that is outwardly very glorious in the world's evaluation. But as you serve the Lord, as you do even the ordinary things of God for his glory, the Lord sees those things and he um, sees those things as beautiful and even great in his sight. But one other note that is comforting from this passage is how the Lord, um, again, just so beautifully stoops down to bring us salvation. I mean, here is the creator of the universe, the God who made all things, the God who is sustaining us today in our hearts. Um, this God is on his knees in this act of foot washing. It's a humiliating act. And here in this text, we really see the picture of our salvation and how Jesus you know, laid aside ultimately the garments of glory to come and save us. He stooped down to earth to provide the cleansing that we need to be washed of all of our sin. And he did that at the cross where he died for us so that we can be washed completely clean. And none of us, whether we've been raised in the church or we're outside of the church or we're close to God today or far away from God, none of us are those who are completely clean right now, inwardly at least. Uh, we all have sin that's still in our minds and in our hearts and in our actions. But Jesus here shows us that he provides for us the cleansing that we need to make us pure and holy in the sight of God. Pastor Daniel, I remember in your sermon and in the text itself, Jesus asks this question of his disciples. He says, after washing their feet, do you see what I have done for you? Now, why is that question so important? Why is it important for us to see what Jesus has done for us first? Yeah, Jesus asks that question after he resumes his place at the head of the table where he rightfully belongs. And as we think about it in terms of our salvation, we might hear that question as Jesus resumes his place back in heaven after the resurrection and ascension. 
And he says to his church, he says to me, uh, he says to all of us, you know, do you see how I've cleansed you? And I think it's so important because unless we really see and consider what Jesus has done for us in cleansing us of our sins, again, we will live our life today functionally trying to earn God's favor versus seeing that we already have God's favor in Christ by seeing and remembering what he has done for us. So I think as we consider the the cleansing of Jesus at Calvary and what God has done for us in the gospel, then we find our souls liberated to serve God and we actually find the strength to serve God faithfully today. Makes me think for the listeners and even for ourselves, we need to hear that first, right? And so we want to tell you all, uh, beloved, see what Jesus has done for you first. Uh, We are calling you to serve one another, to serve the body of Christ and to serve your neighbors. And just as we consider that challenge, but first see what Christ has done for you. See how he has loved you. And then once you really receive that comfort, then go and serve others from the love that God has already displayed for you, from the favor that you already have fully and perfectly in Christ because of his love for you. Now, Pastor Daniel, what are some practical takeaways for all the different kinds of people in our congregation? I think you've helpfully highlighted a few of these things, especially in just thinking about greatness and the ways that Jesus thinks about greatness every single day. And again, Jesus says here at the end of this text that a servant is not greater than his master. And so if Jesus used his power and his privilege to serve and to care for others, we're to do the same uh, in our ordinary labors each day. Uh, That could happen in the church as elders and pastors and deacons uh, serve the body of Christ. We're to think of ourselves as foot washers, right? Servants of the flock. We're not lords. We're not masters. We're not the great shepherds of the sheep. That's Jesus. We're simply ministers of his word, servants of his word, servants of the tangible needs of God's people. Uh, What I find amazing and fascinating is that the apostles in the New Testament who had a unique authority as apostles also consider themselves first and foremost as servants of Christ. When there was divisions being um, broken out in 1 Corinthians about you know who was following who, some following Apollo, some following Paul, some following Jesus. Um, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 5. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And again, in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4, he says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. That reminds me, too, in the evening service when we were looking at the Lord's Supper, it hit me that, you know, what what have we been called to as ministers of the word? The word minister is just a fancy word for servant, right? right? (laughs) So we're just servants of the word. And one of the acts of service we have is preparing God's word and um, delivering that week in and week out, but also serving at the Lord's table too. And, you know, we're waiters in a sense, you know, we're dishing up the meal that Christ has prepared for his sheep. And it's a privilege for us to serve the congregation in that way. But ultimately, we are servants, right? And that is the calling to which we've been called. Also in the home, too. You mentioned that in the, in the sermon. We're called to serve one another and to outdo one another and showing honor. 
And I loved how you made that. It was a brief connection, but a really good one with respect to husbands in Ephesians 5, where we see that God calls husbands to wash their wives with the water of the word. Beautiful connection there that day in and day out in the mundane, ordinary moments of life, we are to wash our wives with the water of God's word, comforting them, strengthening them, building them up and giving them that comfort that comes from the gospel. Now, Pastor Daniel, do you have a word for our covenant children and how this text might apply to them? Yeah, when we think of service in general in the church, I mean, it applies to everybody. And we believe children are part of God's church. And so if you're around any children right now, you could poke them and have them listen in. But as they, um, as we think about Jesus' example in John 13, using his power and his status to love and serve those in need, you know, siblings in the home, if you have brothers and sisters, this is a text that reminds you to consider their needs, their wants, their desires, even above your own. That children, when you do that, you're imitating Jesus and the heart of Jesus who looked to us and who served us in such humility. And so, you know, maybe that means, you know, giving up your favorite toy to your siblings so that they can enjoy it or something that's special to you so that someone else could be, you know, built up or, or enjoying something. Even these little ways we're imitating the heart of the Savior, and by God's grace, He is working the heart of the Savior uh, in us, in our ordinary service. That's a beautiful word, Pastor Daniel, for our children, and hopefully they're listening in, and or parents, you can pass along some of the truths that we've been talking about in this lesson to your kids as well, so that they can glean from some of these truths. Now, as we kind of come to a close, one other question we have is, since we are a cross-cultural church trying to reach a vast array of people in our community around us, uh, what in this passage calls us to love those who are different from us culturally? I think a passage like this, in it, God calls us to love and to serve those who are very different from us. And we confess that Jesus in his incarnation is truly a man. Yet Jesus in many ways is different from us. He is the Holy One. Ethically, he's different from us. Even you might say in his very being, he is both God and man. So he's, he's very different from us. Yet Jesus uh, gets on his knees to love and to serve us, those who are different from us, even enemies of God. When it comes to loving people who are culturally different from us, uh, the Lord calls us to think about and consider others who are different. Maybe people who are different from us culturally who eat different foods or listen to different music, uh, maybe even worship in different styles. God calls us to, to look to the needs and to the interests of others and to follow Christ's example here. He calls us even in a text like this to love and to serve our enemies. Jesus washed the feet of Judas, even though he knew that Judas was going to betray him. And that's amazing. It's not a text that shows uh, what we call universal salvation, but it does show God's love for even his enemies. And remember, that's when God loved us. When we were enemies of God, he reconciled us to himself through the cross. And that's why Paul could write words like this to the church in Romans chapter 12, verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As you're talking there, Pastor Daniel, it hit me that the gospel, in a sense, is the ultimate cross-cultural expression of love because you're saying, you know, this is the Holy One, God himself, right? We find that God who is, in a sense, our greatest stranger, the one who is most distinct and different from us, the Creator himself, 
how did he love us? He became one of us, a human creature in the person of Christ in order to serve us, to love us, and not only to serve strangers who are different, but to love those who are his enemies. Incredible love. And that should motivate us to replicate that love, reciprocate it to our neighbors around us from whatever culture they might be in as well. The more that we take in the gospel, the more we receive Christ's loving service for us and understand it on a deep, profound level in our heart, then God's spirit will motivate us to love others in that same way as well. So lastly, Pastor Daniel, which verse do you recommend we commit to memory from this great passage? One that comes to mind for me is uh, John 13, 16 and 17, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Well, thanks, Pastor Daniel. This has been a great discussion. Hopefully it's been a blessing to those listening from home or in the car or wherever you might be. We pray and ask that God would bless you in this time. We look forward to coming back next week to bring you some more musings midweek 